fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Well, hello again. It's Brooke Taylor back in for Kale as he enjoys a few days off with his family for Canadian Thanksgiving. He said it's a little bit earlier this year, so he'll be back in action tomorrow. Happy to be with you again today for one more day. If you missed yesterday's show, I wanted to mention it because you always, of course, can catch the pod of any of the programs here, but it's on the Kale Clark Show page, Relevant Radio. We had Father Lawrence Liu joining us from London. He is a Dominican, the promoter general of the Rosary at Our Lady of the Rosary Shrine in London, and has a book called Mysteries Made Visible. And after Father Liu we had such an interesting conversation with Lieutenant Colonel Stephen DeLellis. He was in Delta Force and Rangers, Special Forces, part of actually the Battle of Mogadishu in Somalia. And we talked about at the end of the show, situational awareness and so many people walking around with their eyes buried in their screens, their ears literally plugged with AirPods, earbuds. And part of our duty as a good steward of our minds and our bodies is to be alert to what is going on around us. And he also touched on little things too, like not relying on technology for everything and learning how to read a map and a compass. And he also is a leading expert on neuroscience, traumatic brain injury, CTE and TBI, uh, traumatic brain injury. And so we talked about that, the power of the St. Michael prayer in his own life. And if you get a chance again, you can check out the podcast version of that. But I want to mention that because Today is World Mental Health Day, and that was very much a theme of our conversation yesterday. But also today, and in New York, the Sussexes, Mary, uh, Harry and Meghan, they're making headlines in addition to all of all of the news globally, their appearance at the World Mental Health Day Festival in New York. And here's what's notable about that. It was put on by Project Healthy Minds alongside Reddit's former in-house tarot card reader. So this is all for mental health, ostensibly. And the U.S. Surgeon General was there. But some of the mental health methods focused on for healing at this huge event in New York City today was vinyasa, yoga, sonic meditation, and a lot more, very new age. And so we're going to talk about that later in the show, why those methods and things like using crystals and voiding the mind are so problematic and an anti, anti-Christ, anti, the church has a lot to say in documents like the letter to the bishops, uh, some aspects of Christian meditation, also Jesus Christ, the bearer of water of life. And so we will reference that it's really important. And Catholic author, speaker Melody Lyons will be with us as well. Before her conversion, she was very involved in New Age spirituality, and she has studied the links of the occult and practices like yoga. And whenever this is talked about, there's usually some pretty instant pushback and and defensiveness because I think a lot of people take it personally. They say, you know what, I might use yoga as a method of praying, but why 
why that can lead to something that is is definitely not of of the faith or Christianity at all. So we'll get into that, the language of paganism. Again, that's coming up a little bit later on in the show as Melody joins us. But up first, one of my favorite guests here on Relevant Radio, uh, frequently, we've had him on a few times over the last year, Jason Craig. Jason writes from a small dairy farm in Western North Carolina, the co-founder of Fraternus the founder of Sword and Spade magazine, the author of Leaving Boyhood Behind, and also uh, known to claim his family invented bourbon. So what's not to like? (laughs) We'll see if we can get into that a little bit. Happy to welcome back to the show, Jason Craig. Hello, Mr. Craig. Hey, Brooke. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you, too. And the last time you were on, I think the next week we got the press release about your brand new book. So tell us about it. It's called The Traditional Virtues According to St. Thomas Aquinas. It is a study for men. Love this. Published by Tan Books. Uh, What's it all about? Sure. I'm glad you put in that last bit, A Study for Men, because if there was a a book that I don't think I would feel qualified to write, it would just be generally about virtue or Aquinas. Uh, There's just a lot of better stuff out there. But... (laughs) The the point of this book was to, <clears throat> I went through uh, the Summa very um, with a fine comb, really trying to pull out the very practical and important parts of it for us as men, leaders, fathers, mentors, mm-hmm. brothers, sons. Uh, and the idea was to present it in a way that could be read and digested in a group and really not necessarily a big one, like a father and a son at a kitchen table was who I was picturing. Uh, in fact, my own son just picked it up on the way in here and said, are we going to start this soon? Because like, oh. I had him in mind. Um, and oh. and groups of men that are, uh, you know, small fraternities or, or whatever, it's for them to read. Um, but the, the, the virtues are something that can seem so abstract. The theological virtues, the cardinal virtues, some kind of topic to study. Uh, but they're not that. They're, they're amazing. They're, they are life. They are maturity. They are the way that God intended us to live. And coming to a greater understanding of them, how they work, how we can break them within us, the vices, all of that stuff, it really does help. But when you do it alone, you know, it's, it's mildly helpful. But as we, we know from the, our own experience, our experience with the faith, with, you know, thousands of years of experience, you really need other people to help you see things clearly in discussion, debate, even correction. Uh, so that's what we try to do in the book. Yeah, I love that. It's so needed. And and that is your wheelhouse, the mentorship. I, I want to throw out the numbers, by the way, right away, if anyone wants to connect with you, one 914 That's our studio line if you have a question or a comment for Jason. But I think it's extra fantastic that you wrote this because I've heard you say that you were probably a product of the man crisis in some ways, that you grew up in a divorced home, lots of back and forth, some confusion, lots of freedom that you maybe always didn't use in the most virtuous way. And it was through the mentorship of a godly man or maybe a group of men that were good examples in your life that you converted to the faith and and that changed your life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think any man who's listening right now uh, who, if you asked him, and he's a faithful Catholic, he's serious, he wants to grow in virtue, he wants to mature spiritually, intellectually, all, however he's growing, you can ask him, tell me about the mentors in your life. I mean, they, he, he's mm-hmm. going to ha- they're going to be there. And very often, when men, young men, boys, when they are drifting away, they're typically drifting either into just the wrong crowd or into isolation where they don't have mentors, or maybe they're too prideful to accept 
the teaching of anyone else. I mean, it's just that cut and dry. Either you have mentors and you're becoming a better man, or you don't have mentors and you're not becoming a better man. It's, it's that cut and dry. Yeah. And yes, my I did not grow up Catholic. Didn't really grow up really going to church at all. Of you know, maybe here and there with some family, uh, you know, extended family. Not my household. Uh, parents were divorced. Had lots of confusing and conflicting messages and examples about what it meant to be a man. You know, have seen uh, abusive men. Have seen you know passive wimpy men. Have seen just all sorts of things. And it's a, it's a lot of confusion as you know, by the grace of God being brought into mentoring friendship with an older man who led me to Christ. And then later people leading me to the church. Um, This is just a consistent need in our life that we have to be growing and what we're we're growing in. And this is really the the book wanting to frame it as a tool when you're mentoring someone's like, well, all right, what does it mean to be a better man? And it, it always means, growing closer to God. And when we grow closer to God, we grow in virtue. That, that's what's happening. Um, and the Aquinas' teaching on the virtues is so illuminating and so helpful and very practical. A lot of, he gets a bad rap of being, uh, he, he's very meticulous. He gets a little bad rap for maybe splitting hairs. Let's just say he's thorough. Uh, so dis- distilling the thousands of pages down can be challenging, but the, in the in the context of a of a mentoring relationship or a friendship, <clears throat> this teaching is very helpful because it gives us this common language of what the good life is. Because sometimes we might debate, well, I think this or that, and it, 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 that's fine. You can you know rub your opinions around and see what sticks. But we know that whatever it looks like, if it's good, it's virtuous. And having that common language amongst friends, amongst fathers and families having that language so that we can say, well, you know, so if, for example, our kids, we heard some kid told another kid this, and then they said this. And, you know, as parents, we need to have the language. It's called gossip, right? And it's a sin. And it's, right. it's, it's a sin against justice. And here's why. That's really helpful. Then, you know, you really ought not to say things about people when, you know, that, that might be true, but to call it out is what it is and give it a name is very helpful. And I think men too are really good. I, well, I can't generalize, but I'll just, I feel my experience at sure getting you can. to the Go point. ahead. You're married to one. You're married to one. Go ahead. <laughs> my mom would always say, women, you know, if you have a target, women kind of go around the target. Men often just get right to the bullseye, direct right to the point. And you saying that, it's simple, it sticks, it's true. And so, like you said, whittling through it all. And this study is really good because it's, it's dense, but it's not, it's not huge in terms of, uh, Tolstoy, you know, so you can get through it, like you said, with your son across the table. It isn't something, but at the same time, there's a challenge. And I've heard you say that too. A lot of times there's a lack of challenge that men need. And if the challenge isn't there, it's easy for them to just think this is a waste of time. And in your apostolate at Fraternus, you always end with, okay, here's your challenge for this week. And it seems like this book, this men's study, it does that by a deeper study. You have scripture reading, and then you also have the examination of conscience in there. Right. Actually, at the end, so the the, the basic structure is there's 30 lessons, uh, and that's about a school year's length of time. If you're wondering, I, I, we wanted to lay it out so that, you know, if, if, if when you're in the throes of normal day-to-day life, you schedule once a week with your son or a group of guys, you say, this is when we're going to do this study. And then in between, there's, there are the, if you go through the study, uh, there's also daily scripture readings, very short, could be, you know, four to six verses 
Um, but if you do the study, you'll go through all the virtues and you will go through most of the New Testament. Save, you know, maybe I didn't put in there some of uh, the details of St. Paul's travel plans, but most of the New Testament is arranged where you can read a, a piece of it and it'll be under one of these virtues so that we're just kind of tying all these things together. Because Scripture can use different language because it, it's, it's, in, it's in the language of Scripture and letters and history, uh, whereas Aquinas is systematic theology, so it's a little like very discursive going through. But anyway, we're tying all those things together. So you're kind of living in this topic, but it'll be once a week. You read through kind of the presentation of the virtues. There's a section on know thyself, which is a, just an ancient aphorism that, you know, if you're not examining your own life and learning from it, you're not growing, period. That's just right. how it works. Mm-hmm. And this, this gives fathers an opportunity, and I know it's very helpful to my sons, if, I, if we're doing a lesson on injustice, we talk about the effects of stealing, of lying, of saying something bad about someone. Well, I probably have a story of where I've either committed the sin, right, or, had, or someone's committed against me and what the effects are, and telling those stories, giving that, that context, that, that's going to help those lessons stick. And then you can go do something you know, about it, have a challenge at the end of it, which is provided, and, and then read the scriptures every day. It sounds like a lot, but it, it definitely provides an, like 30, 30 lessons or about 30 weeks of saying, hey, we're, we're going to study all these virtues. We're going to gain a common knowledge and a common language about what we mean when we say these things. And ultimately, we're not just wanting to talk about them and study. We want to actually grow in this together. That's why we have the, the, the intellectual side of it, but also the challenge side of it, the, the put it in practice side. For sure. And, you know, with with the exception of wars and what we're seeing example tragically unfolding in the Holy Land, in our modern society generally, it's like we've attempted to eliminate almost every hardship from daily life. And, and of course, that's a blessing, but it also comes at a great cost because this can make people young and old, strong, capable men feel unnecessary. And mm-hmm. as if, where is my identity? Where's my purpose? I want and you talk about it in in a few of your books, a lot of your books, the 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 quest and the man's journey, the adventure. And so I think that this is a profound threat to our dignity. So being formed by the virtues is a really great way to ennoble the man. it's It's a great way to ennoble all humans. But wherever they are in life, and whether they're a job that they they despise and they're really feeling stuck and frustrated or health challenges, that he is being molded into a saint. And by nature of that, mentoring others in the process. So I think, and you know, even now when you look at where are all our great leaders and we want a leader that's really good with economics or understanding the border or geopolitics, but really it comes down to virtue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you're being a good man, you're being virtuous. I mean, that, that is exactly what is happening. The word right. virtue, the root Latin vir is literally, it literally means man to be manly is to be virtuous and to be virtuous, to be manly. Cause we, you know, that we can talk about, and you know, I'm in this world and it, it can get, you know, talking about being manly can get really weird and really quick. And it can all just be about, <laughs> you know, pipes and beards and wearing flannel shirts and just the sort of the accoutrements of, of, you know, it's, 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 it's silly and it's, it's vain and it's shallow. And sorry, I have a, you know, a little thing about buying a lumberjack shirts and never swinging an ax, but that's, that's an aside. <laughs> It's when true. all of those things, we're, we're, we're trying on different identities. Actually, I had to go to 
the mall this week, which we live on a little farm. We do not, we are not mall people. So we went to a mall. My children have never been there. They're like, wow, these stairs are moving. Well, they've never, wow. Uh, we've never been to a mall. Never been to a okay. mall. Okay, that's and, great. Um, and, well, I mean, you know, it's not completely innocent. I should, you know, there's, there's a certain uh, 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 two-day shipping option that we have on some things. <laughs> that's a temptation, constant temptation. But, so we don't go, so we go there and they're kind of, they're intrigued by this. And I was playing, I mean, look over at that store and this store and this store. I say, all of these are attempts at some identity. Am I going to be, you know, my wife talks about when you were kids, you had your brand, you know, am I going to be an Abercrombie kid or maybe a skater punk kid? You're, you're kind of always yeah. trying on these, I, I, you know, these outside things. The, what yeah. virtue is, though, is it doesn't begin with, hey, here's a choice among other lifestyles that might fit you. You know, you could try prudence on it. It's actually, no, mm. you are man. You are created in the image and likeness of God. And he created you not to be just a duplicate or a formula. He's, so he, you're unique. You are unrepeatable. Yet you have a nature, and there's a way to sort of drive that nature, and it's called virtue. And the more virtuous you are, the more manly you are, and not just like, hey, you've gained a skill, you're more successful, you're better looking. That maybe that'll happen, but maybe not. Maybe you become a, you you take on vows of poverty and you serve the church in some radical way. I don't know, but to be transformed because of who you are is totally different from you know what you mentioned a second ago. The, all these different distractions you mentioned in your last segment, all, all of these, all these different identities we're trying on. The great thing about virtue is it's actually not just another formula you're going to try. It begins with who you are. You are already, I don't have to, you don't have to drum this up. You already are a son or daughter of God. That's what you already are. And virtue is what is helping you become more of that person. So Aquinas teaches us that this is uh, surprising maybe to us sinners that we actually tend towards virtue by nature. And obviously because our nature is fallen, because we're sinners, that gets distorted, that gets disrupted. But we actually tend that way, be, meaning, not, I mean, if we're in the right conditions, <clears throat> we tend that way because that's what we were made for. God made us to mature, as St. Paul says in Ephesians 4, that we're maturing unto the full manhood of Christ. What that means is, you know, you start as an infant where you can't even, I mean, heck, you can't even burp yourself, you know, when you first come out. Yeah. And you mature physically, emotionally, spiritually. That's how God made us, to grow. And like an oak tree, we grow. And you know an oak tree is not meant to be an acorn or a sapling. It's meant to be a tree. And when we're, it's a big, glorious, shade oak tree, that's its form. That's beautiful. We're so much more than that as God's children. When we grow in our full mature form, we're spiritual powerhouses. We're act, we're, and it's not that we're something else. It's that we're fully alive and fully who we actually are. Yes, with, with those sturdy roots. And with the time that we have left, could you share as you worked on this book and you went through the virtues, again, it's called The Traditional Virtues According to St. Thomas Aquinas, A Study for Men, Jason Craig's new book from Tan Books. What do you think is maybe the least under most misunderstood virtue that you think will you're excited about that you think will men will benefit from in this book oh goodness um i i would say hope but then actually prudence i think most mm. men we hear the word prudence we misunderstand it to mean to think prudish uh oh, and we yeah. also think about it to mean endless deliberation but it actually is probably the manliest of virtues because it's the virtue that executes it's the one that translates 
thought, idea, reasoning into action. In fact, prudence is not just thinking correctly because that's incomplete. That's just, that's just thinking. A prudent person is one who acts. Now those, that prudence can be undone by particularly by intemperance and lust and things like that. But the virtue of prudence, when it's fully understood uh, and how we grow in that and that understanding, um, I think that's the one that most people really misunderstand it and, and miss what it actually means. They don't even want to talk about, oh, I don't want to talk about talk. No, this is, this is action. Men of, yeah. men of prudence are men of action. I like that in the manliest of the virtue. I mean, they all are, but that's really good. And so for age-wise, you had mentioned your son. Would you recommend if a father and son were to do this, what would be a good age, do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm really picturing that time when people really ought to be calling their boys young men. Stop calling them boys. Treat them like men. Mm-hmm. Uh, do the study with him as a man. I mean, if I were to give you an age range, it's maybe, you know, 14 to 17. Um, to say, hey, I want to do this with you as a man. Not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna teach you another lesson. I'm not like you. We're brothers in this. Uh, it is a, it's a dense book. I did not, you know, we wanted to make it accessible, but it's not dumb. I want it. It's, right. You, sh- you ought to stretch. Um, it's not something in a flashy app and with quick, easy memes. I mean, it's going to take some study, and that's that's called the virtue of studiositas. By the way, that's that's in there. Um, but that, yeah, I would recommend at that age. I'm going to try it a little younger with my sons. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, and then maybe as a reward at the end, you guys could go to the mall or something. Right. Maybe not. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't that know. might be imprudent. That might be imprudent. <laughs> it might be. Very good. Jason Craig, once again, well done, sir. And, you know, as Fulton Sheen said, there is a famine of great men. And I think, Jason, you're doing a heroic job of, of changing that by the way you, you teach, you live, founder of St. Joseph's Farm, and encourage holy Catholic masculine mentorship that really has the capacity to make saints and change the world. We appreciate that so much. Is this book out now, Jason? The book is out. It's available at Pan and other places. Okay, we will link it up. The book, again, The Traditional Virtues According to St. Thomas Aquinas, A Study for Men, available through tan books quick break when we return melody lyons is with us to talk about the dangers of yoga the occult how to pagan proof our families that is coming up next here on the kale clark show it's brooke taylor with you we will be right back here on relevant radio and the app stay with us This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. This coming July, the entire Relevant Radio Network will be live in Indianapolis at the National Eucharistic Congress. We are pleased to be able to offer an easy, family-friendly travel experience for you to join us. Thanks to our friends at Nativity Pilgrimage. You can find out more about travel packages today at relevantradio.com slash encounter. That's relevantradio.com slash encounter. It's Brooke Taylor. Pleased to be back with you again for one more day today. Caleb be back in action tomorrow. He took some time off to be with his family. And 
really, really delighted to welcome our next guest. She has been writing and speaking for nearly 20 years about culture, healing, Catholic homeschooling, the domestic church, and much more. Melody Lyons has been featured in LifeSite News, Tan Books, her writing, Crisis Magazine, Catholic Exchange, and more. And she's the author of The Sunshine Principle, a radically simple guide to natural Catholic healing. Of course, most importantly, she is a wife and mom, mom of eight now grandmother and melody is here to talk about the rise of the occult in our culture warnings against practices such as yoga the new age and she knows a thing or two about it because it's the world she came from before her own conversion looking forward to learning more and connecting today lots to cover welcome to the show melody thank you brooke i'm so happy to be here yes likewise it's so nice be and and we'll see how we do here with the time because there is so much to cover i want to right away just throw the numbers out first things first and that is because this topic elicits usually a lot of questions stories from across the board it seems so one 914 call us if you want to connect with melody so let's start there melody yoga just you know kind of a gateway to the occult hinduism new age but when we point that out often there's some pretty passionate pushback about that people can get you know very defensive take it personally so let's address that first why is yoga a problem for catholics well i think it's 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 understandable that people have an emotional re- response because so many of us have been involved in it and we're not thinking of ourselves as some occult new agers we're not like you know corresponding with the demonic and and all of these things and so when somebody comes along and they say well that's occult that's new age you know that's demonic there's going to be an emotional response there because we have our life experience that says wait a minute no that wasn't my experience at all you're just wrong and it feels like a personal attack Right. Well, you know, at the top of the show, I referenced were, it's today's World Mental Health Day, and there was a big festival in New York City that the Sussexes, Harry and Meghan, were there attending. Uh, Newsweek reported that this was hosted by Project Health Minds, but right alongside was Reddit's former in-house tarot card reader and they had vinyasa yoga sonic meditation all of those sessions sold out and really touted as methods to help treat mental health and you know yoga as an aid in healing and and i think your own story your own background this is where that comes in because you can testify that these activities really are not healing the way perhaps they're marketed to be but often can be damaging and, and demonic yeah, very much so. And I saw that event, and I also saw that it was really mainstreamed. Like, um, you know, the producer Carson Daly, who is the producer of The Voice and the Today Show, and the U.S. Surgeon right. General, and it's just billed as like this health event, you know. Mm-hmm. And we sort of accepted in the Western world that yoga or any of these occult practices are just good for everyone. We just take it for granted, and objections to that are treated as a sort of just uptight Christian sensationalism. Right. But I think it is reasonable for Christians to question, especially since yoga in particular, even as it's practiced in the U.S., is rooted in Hindu bodily prayer. So we need to be able to have that conversation. And I think, you know, part of, again, part of the confusion these days is that anything spiritual has sort of been relabeled in scientific terms. Um, you'll see a lot of discussion of yoga and the occult in America that is just completely devoid of spiritual language, just slapping this health label on it. Yeah, and for you, I mean, 
I've heard you say that it, the reason it was dangerous for you is because there is the the spiritual practice of yoga of kind of opening your mind, voiding your mind, getting lost and into the universal space. And that is, first of all, anti-Christian, and, and there are some church documents that we want to reference. You know, what does the church say about this? But the idea that you were not in a good place mentally already, and if you had something like maybe suicidal ideation, where you thought, well, it's not as if I, I would do something, that something would happen to me and I would go to hell. I'm just going to be reincarnated anyway. And so it, it's interesting because it's a slow slide how you think, well, just because I'm doing stretches or, you know, this is absurd. I'm just in a yoga class at, at the Y or something, but that there is more to it. And sometimes it's this slow slide that can open you up to something that there's so much of an enmeshment that we might not even realize yeah. it. Yeah. And it may be a very unpopular thing to say right now, but I think new age and Hindu beliefs and yogic spirituality are actually psychologically damaging, especially in this time when we suffer from unprecedented anxiety and depression and also this loss of faith and hope. And this stuff does not lead to joy, but it leads to emptiness because it is life without Christ. And you were referencing my story and I was, you know, a very sad, broken child. And that moved into being an unmoored teenager with a broken family and no moral hedges and totally immersed in secular chaos of American teenage life, right? Mm -hmm. And that grief was compounded there. So I struggled with self-hatred and depression and was really drawn to beliefs and practices which consoled me and promised me that there was an end to suffering. But unlike Christianity, Eastern spirituality taught me that the body itself was evil, and which confirmed what I felt because I hated myself. And that the highest goal was to shed the body and be absorbed into the divine energy of the universe. I, and I, I experienced spiritual things and consolation, and I longed for that. I longed for an experience to taste of it through meditative experiences, and that is the goal of yoga and many spiritual practices. And so I was drawn more and more to the idea of death as a release, not heaven, just nothingness. Like, I just wanted to be annihilated. And at the time, I just saw no downside to that whatsoever, other than like the temporary pain of actually dying. Because I, like you said, I believed in reincarnation. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I just won't come back as like this spiritually elevated being of light. I'll, I might just come back as a mushroom. But, <laughs> you know, like it's just better than what I'm experiencing now. And, um, but, you know, and so like Catholics don't understand the difference between being immersed and united with Christ in prayer and the, the difference with um, the New Age, um, or again, yogic spirituality, which is that we essentially become nothing, immersed in the whole. Nothing and everything all at once. The individual is totally annihilated. In Catholicism, we seek unity with God, but as separate persons, unique, created, beloved, um, like God, created in His image, but not God. And in Hinduism, each deity, each of the gods they worship, is one element of the whole. But just like a part of this whole ocean of participants that we're trying to become a part of. And they're just like more advanced on the spiritual chain. But, you know, so I see the spiritual dangers because I lived them. There was nothing to live for. I was reinforced in my idea that the body was just, it's totally anti-Christian, by the way, that the body is just evil and wicked and that we need to be constantly striving to be away from it. Yeah, and like you're saying, where 
we are not focused on the presence of Christ where you're disappearing into nothingness and also, like you said, everything all at once. And and I've heard you say, you know, Christ says, I see you, uniquely you, and new age becomes, you become a non-person, and you're divine but not distinct, you know, in that ideology where Christianity sees the whole person, and you're not emptied, but you're filled with our Lord. And in Psalm 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and I know every word, and I know every hair on your head and every word before you say it. And I think there, you know, of course, when you look at the demonic, there's an inversion there. And so there's an aping and a mimicking where it can seem similar. And that does get confusing, especially if, like you were talking about in your own past, you didn't have a solid formation or understanding of proper order and, you know, virtues, salvation history, Christianity, all of that. Right. And I, what I did experience, my actual experiences in this spiritual place, in the meditations, were what I would call euphoric. And so I wanted to spend more and more time there. It was really like a drug. And when I was away from that, I was very, I was already, you know, life is hard. Life is painful sometimes. Um, And I, I just, I wanted relief so badly. And so I did fall into a pretty extreme suicidal ideation, you know, and just longed for it and it felt good it felt right it felt like this was the answer but i didn't have christ and so even those people you know i know there are a lot of people uh, who i talk to who say you know what though i'm well formed like i can handle this i know what i'm about i'm well formed you weren't you were just a youngster and you didn't really know the faith so that's not going to happen to me if i participate in yoga and i would just like gently challenge that idea you know, not in the spirit of condemnation at all, but just, you know, what what more can we do for Christ and what more can we do for others? It's not just about us, too. It's about our witness to other people. And the reality is that even the yoga lights or the, you know, occult light uh, experiences in life lead to something deeper. They do have roots that are very specifically and strongly anti-Christian, and they are demonic. So, um, you know, if you are secure in your faith, I would just invite you uh, to live the testimony fully and to really pray and discern about this more um, if you haven't really thought about it yet. Just show others so that they aren't caught in the snares and maybe find those alternatives, right? You can help bless other people with fully consistent action. Melody Lyons is with us. She's been speaking, writing for nearly 20 years, and her writing featured in LifeSite News, Crisis Magazine, Catholic Exchange. So we're talking now about New Age yoga and some of the pagan language even that we kind of adopt without realizing it. want to share the studio line again. If you have a question for Melody, a story, a concern, one triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. I wanted to ask you too, one of my, my dearest friends, their family, she, they lost her daughter suddenly, tragically at the age of 11. She died on October 31st. It was nine years ago this year. And her mom and her siblings were all there. She she collapsed at a pan, piano recital. But the reason that I'm sharing this is because almost a decade on, this time of year, you know how grief is. It's cyclical, and it's almost unbearable as they feel the seasons change. She died at the end of October. It was around Halloween and just the way that it all happened. And so 
of all the months concurrently, what we're seeing in our culture is a rise of these, I think, very disturbing scenes springing up in front yards and in some cases, really elaborate horror scenes. And even now, with the absolute depravity of what is going on in, in the Holy Land right now, here we are celebrating these ghoulish displays. Now, we know as, as Catholics, the difference between memento mori, always remember your death, keep your death before us. And, and that's in a, in a way of understanding theology as it relates to the Paschal mystery. So that's one thing. But I just saw a headline that one of the hottest sellers, and I'm not trying to come down on anybody because I, this is, I'm just asking you your thoughts on this melody, but one of the hottest <laughs> sellers are these 12 foot skeleton, 12 foot skeletons. And I mean, they're pretty expensive. So you think you're spending a lot of money, you know, to put these out in your yard. And, and some would say, lighten up. It's only only Halloween, it's just entertainment, but there is a darkness that accompanies this expression, at least in some cases. And and so, and I, when I think of my friend and, their, and their, my family and what they go through, when I see these things, it's it's so in my spirit. You feel it, and I guess I'm just asking in the things that we read and listen to and watch. You go to the movie and you see the trailers, and it's like there's been horror and scary movies. That it's just beyond how graphic and explicit these are now. Um, are there things, there's so many subtleties out there that will help us in discerning when things are a little bit more subtle of, I need to stay away from this or how to form our children with that? Yeah, I'm in total agreement, especially, you know, you mentioned um, the things happening overseas. And my kids and I were just talking about this because all around the neighborhood, we have these gruesome scenes. And, um, you know, a couple of my older kids and, and I stumbled across some of the videos, right? And these gruesome scenes are reality for somebody. Um, and one thing that I think this, this does, just the things that some people just think are in fun or horror, or I, I think that there is kind of a steady tipping away at um, the most beautiful moments, hopefully, <laughs> in our lives, which is death right (laughs) the end of life and you look at the lives of the saints and look at what holy death means and death of course is um, the consequence of sin but uh, christ redeemed and so at the moment of our death this should be a beautiful moment this is a birth into eternity where we will be with christ um, and so, like, the, the world is sending this wrong message, and I think it's, like, it just seems more and more that there's this fixation and fascination on the ugly and uh, association here with associating what is ugly and terrifying with death. And, of course, it could be that, right? <laughs> but yeah. the full truth is not presented. And so, it, you know, you were asking about um, how, you know, the little things in life, like how do we know, how do we discern what's what? And I think the best way to do that is to really cultivate a sensibility of Christ. To just, I mean, it seems simplistic maybe, but I think it's true. Go back to the Gospels. Right. And just turn back to the Lord and fill our lives with things that are beautiful. Like we just heard at Mass this weekend um, in the ordinary form, uh, Philippians, like the Philippians 4, um, you know, the things that we are to reflect on. Yes, what, yes. So whatever is true, whatever is So good. whatever scripture, whatever yeah. is lovely, you know, and reflect on these things. 
And I think that um, we need to deliberately get back to that. Not just like, oh, well, haha, you know, we're, we're sort of desensitized to everything, but make an effort to disrupt what is not reflecting Christ fully and then to replace it with something that is, that, that more fully reflects him. Boy, there's so much there. I'm just pondering everything that you're saying and, and, different avenues to go down with that. We need to take a break. Melody Lyons with us, really enjoying our conversation. We're talking about New Age, the occult, uh, crystals, yoga, things like that. Do you have a a story, a question? Our studio line, one 914 Patrick A. Log is on the phones, and we will get you connected with Melody. It's Brooke Taylor in for Kale Clark. We'll be back, and he'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back right after the break here on Relevant Radio and the app. Stay with us. you keep your mind off traffic and on the more important things in life. It's Kale Clark on Relevant Radio. Well, we've just been talking about the things we display on the lawn, yard decorations. We touched on that. I think there isn't anything better that we can do to shine the light than to share the incarnation, the word made flesh. Do you have a nativity set that you place outside your home during Advent and the Christmas season? Well, thanks to a generous donor, we're giving away 200 beautiful hand-painted nativity sets valued at over $500 each. Quality beauty that will not only bless you and your family, but the entire neighborhood, anyone who drives by for years to come. You can sign Sign up and win at relevantradio.com slash set and sign up before midnight central time, October 15th. And that's again, relevantradio.com slash set. Catholic author and speaker Melody Lyons is with us. Melody, the author of uh, nearly uh, 20, well, for nearly 20 years, she's been speaking about culture, healing, Catholic homeschooling, and also the author of the book, The Sunshine Principle, A Radically Simple Guide to Natural Catholic Healing. Would love to talk to you about that book alone on another day, another topic, Melody, too. But today we're talking about the dangers of the occult, why yoga is under that category, and in the New Age spirituality, things like Reiki, using crystals, even some of the language of paganism that many people, many good people just might not even realize is anti-Christian. And to that point, I know, Melody, that there are some good church documents we've linked up in the show notes, but also maybe you can share a little bit that might be helpful in understanding the resources with regards to these topics. Well, the, the church is pretty, speaks pretty clearly about it and actually does mention, um, you know, Eastern meditation and, and, um, and things like that. The one is the, the letter to the bishops of the Catholic church on some aspects of Christian meditation and that's the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And the other one is Jesus Christ, the Bearer of the Water of Life, mm-hmm. by the Pontifical Council for Culture and Pontifical Council for Interreligious Dialogue. And I actually hadn't read these until this, this last, last year. And I was just very moved because the Church just spoke right into the experience that I had had, you know? Um, and and I hope people do go and read them. You say you're going to put them in the show notes. I hope you go and read them because yeah. uh, we do need to be talking about these things. It is so pervasive in the culture, and we don't even realize how it's impacting us. I mean, one example is after 
being a Catholic, a practicing Catholic for many years, I actually went to confession and I was like homeschooling Catholic mom, you know, I went to confession and, and I said, Father, I'm just having um, a hard time clearing my mind for prayer. And he said, don't do that. <laughs> he said, mm. Don't clear your mind. He said, where are you getting that? You know, you want to fill your mind with the presence of Jesus Christ. You want to calm your mind. And I just thought it was just one of these things that maybe somebody or another priest might not have noticed. But I went, whoa, you know, just that little, that little bit of language that had seeped in, even though I was like really, you know, anti-occult and all of that already. That's a great example. So relatable, too. And like you said, you don't even realize, but these are, just talking to Father Carney last week, too, small things that challenge us, our behaviors, our habits, and, and that does help us grow. I know with Timory and her next guest talking about the things that make us uncomfortable, that's how we grow, and that's a beautiful thing in the spiritual life. I want to take Michael. He's on the line, Melody, from Boston with a question for you and uh, about just your own journey. Are you with us? Welcome to the program. Michael. Yes, I'm here. You had a question Hi, for Mike. Melody? Yes. Yes, Melody, I, I did. And, and thank you, because uh, I'm someone who was also kind of into the occult, although I never lost my um, faith in Christ. But I had a question for you, because you said you were experiencing um, almost uh, states of euphoria when you were doing yoga. And I was wondering how you went from those states of euphoria to great depression and suicidal um, ideation? So I want to clarify, that's, that's a great question, and thank you. Um, I want to clarify that when I was into uh, the New Age, and at this point where I was meditating in this way, it was yogic uh, spirituality, but I was not doing yoga to get to those places. I actually incorporated yoga later on, actually when I became a Catholic and then turned around and, um, you know, changed my mind on that. But yoga was uncomfortable for me at that point. It just wasn't stretchy, but I was in community where yoga would be done and I just meditated. So um, the euphoria was only in those, those times when I was engaged in meditation. Once I was not there anymore, uh, then the weight of the world just came crashing down and everything, all of the reality. So what I, the, you know, the depression, the, 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 the struggle, the suffering, the things that I experienced outside of meditation before meditation were actually heavier afterwards because all I wanted to do was get back there. And then that became um, a, a fixation. Like, I can't get back there. I need to die, essentially. Um, and I didn't have anything like, uh, well, I knew who Jesus was, right? And I went to Catholic schools, even though I didn't really believe anything. Um, but that didn't really impact me. I had no relationship with Christ. I hadn't really been, he hadn't really been presented to me in any way that made a difference. Um, and so that, I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Michael. Um, I want to, I'm looking at the time here. I want to really take Rose because I think she has a really great question too, Melody, from joining us from Helena, Montana. Hi, Rose. Are you there? I am. Thank you. Hi. You're yes, welcome. My question. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I have some friends who think that yoga, as long as you're not doing the mantras and you're in a class where there's no mantras, 
that you have successfully celebrated that from anything in that would be spiritually disruptive. Um, but I've also read that uh, him, the, the Hindu religion um, still can get a hold of you in that spiritual form, even without any mantras. So what is your thought about just the postures? Yeah, so just the postures, if, if we want to get real technical, there's about 1,500 different postures that are practiced in yoga. So it's developed over time, and, you know, there's been gymnastic stuff added. But essentially, anything that God designed, any movement that is natural and non, not distorted, like there are contorted positions in yoga that are not that do not honor the body or the dignity of the person, um, anything that's specifically spiritual, outside of a yoga context, movement is beautiful and good. When it's in a yoga context, it is essentially a form of spiritual Hindu practice and um, that completely is you know, contrary to Christian belief. So high levels of yoga always include those elements. Moderate levels of yoga usually do, and yoga light, I call it, um, may not, but at least I don't know, coexist peacefully with the anti-Christian spirituality and it's absolutely a gateway to more. So um, I would just encourage people to just, you know, if there are other ways to bless the body and it doesn't have to be yoga. And so maybe exploring those other options, stepping out of that and saying, ah, I'm a Christian, so I don't really do Hindu uh bodily prayer, just like a Hindu doesn't come to Mass and go through the motions of worship, we wouldn't go through the, the motions of their worship, even if we have something else, you know, even if we're trying to, like, pray through it. And on Thank that you note, so much. That was a really good question, Rose. Yes, thank you. God bless you. I think that's a very common question, too. And Melody, here as we wrap up, I guess just some final remarks, some resources that you might be able to help people. We talked about those documents that you can find in the show notes. You've, I know, done a lot of research and are involved in Pietra Fitness, for example, which is a Catholic alternative. Maybe you could mention that in just the final few uh, seconds we have here. Yes, you're very happy to. Pietra Fitness. Um, I'm actually certified leader in Pietra Fitness and in Soul Core. Both are wonderful resources. Actually, um, if you go to the website, they have, you know, more information that you might be looking for. Father Ezra Sullivan is another fantastic resource. He has a series on yoga that can be found on spiritualdirection.com and can also be found on the Pietra Fitness website. Um, they have actually a really wonderful built-out section on yoga and, you know, why, um, you know, what they're doing is different. And both of these alternatives really believe that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, just a beautiful cathedral for God's glory. That's Pietro Fitness's line. And every cathedral needs a strong base upon which to stand. And mm. I just, I love that. And then Soul Core is an apostolate that just intentionally engages the whole person in the sacred experience of the rosary. So they're both Christian bodily prayer. Good. Thank you. And Pietra is P-I-E-T-R-A, Pietra Fitness Doctor, or fa Father, sorry, Father uh, um, Sullivan, Ezra Sullivan. So we will link all of that up. Thank you again, both of my guests, to Melody Lyons and to Jason Craig. His new book is The Traditional Virtues According to St. Thomas Aquinas, A Study for Men. That is also out now. It's been a pleasure always to be with you for the last few days while Kale received some time off with his family and the... Um, Training with Timory is up next on the Rosary. Thank you to Jim Shaper and Patrick A. Log. Lord, show us your face and we shall be saved. God bless you.